0: Good evening. This is the evening of March 20th, 2020. Our readings for this evening are Psalm 95 as the inventory, 88, Genesis 47, 1 through 26, 1 Corinthians 9, 16 through 27, and the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 47 through 56. I apologize for being absent from you for so long, my friends. Please forgive me. I will bless God who gives me counsel. My heart teaches me night after night. I have set God always before me. Because God is at my right hand, I shall not fall. Dear friends in Christ, here in the presence of Almighty God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins so that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, make speed to save us. O God, make haste to help us. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. O gracious light, pure brightness of the ever-living God in heaven, O Jesus Christ, holy and blessed, now as we come to the setting of the sun and our eyes behold the vesper light, we sing your praises, O God, Creator, Incarnate, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy at all times to be praised by happy voices, O Son of God, O Giver of life, and to be glorified through all the worlds. And excuse me, I did not use Psalm 95 for the inventory. I completely skipped over that and read O Gracious Light, but I think that works just fine. Thank you guys, getting back into the swing of things here. As you might imagine, we in the Stone household have been a little off schedule. I don't know about you guys. So now, Psalm 88. O God, God of my salvation, when at night I cry out in your presence, let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like those who have no help, like those forsaken among the dead like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a thing of horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call on you, O God. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the shades rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave? Are your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness? Are your saving help in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O God, cry out to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O God, why do you cast me off? Why do you hide your face from me? Wretched and close to death from my youth up. I suffer your terrors. I am desperate. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dread assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. From all sides they close in on me. You have caused friend and neighbor to shun me. My companions are in darkness." Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Genesis chapter 47, verses 1 through 26. So Joseph went and told Pharaoh, My father and my brothers, with their flocks and herds and all that they possess, have come from the land of Canaan. They are now in the land of Goshen. From among his brothers, he took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, as our ancestors were. They said to Pharaoh, We have come to reside as aliens in the land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, because the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now we ask you, Let your servants settle in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part of the land. Let them live in the land of Goshen. And if you know that there are capable men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought in his father Jacob and presented him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many are the years of your life? Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my earthly sojourn are one hundred thirty. Few and hard have been the years of my life. They do not compare with the years of the life of my ancestors during their long sojourn. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. Joseph settled his father and his brothers and granted them a holding in the land of Egypt, in the best part of the land, in the land of Ramesses, Ramses, as Pharaoh had instructed. And Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with food, according to the number of their dependents. Now there was no food in all the land, for the famine was very severe. The land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. Joseph collected all the money to be found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan in exchange for the grain that they had in exchange for the grain that they bought and joseph brought the money into pharaoh's house when the money from the land of egypt and from the land of canaan was spent all the egyptians came to joseph and said give us food why should we die before our, your eyes for our money is gone and joseph answered give me your livestock and i will give you food in exchange for your livestock if your money is gone so they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them food in exchange for the horses, the flocks, the herds, and the donkeys. That year he supplied them with food in exchange for all their livestock. When that year was ended, they came to him the following year and said to him, We cannot hide from my Lord that our money is all spent, and the herds of cattle are my Lord's. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies Excuse me, and our lands. Shall we die before your eyes, both we and our land?' "'Buy us and our land in exchange for food. "'We with our land will become slaves to Pharaoh. "'Just give us seed, so that we may live and not die, "'and that the land may not become desolate. "'So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. "'All the Egyptians sold their fields "'because the famine was severe upon them, "'and the land became Pharaoh's. "'As for the people, he made slaves of them "'from one end of Egypt to the other. "'Only the land of the priests he did not buy.' For the priests had a fixed allowance from Pharaoh, and lived on the allowance that Pharaoh gave them. Therefore they did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, Now that I have this day bought you and your land for Pharaoh, there is seed for you. Sow the land. And at the harvest you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh, and four-fifths shall be your own. As seed for the field, and as food for yourselves and your household, and as food for your little ones. They said, You have saved our lives. May it please, my Lord, we will be slaves to Pharaoh. So Joseph made it a statute concerning the land of Egypt, and it stands to this day that Pharaoh should have the fifth. The land of the priests alone did not become Pharaoh's. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle F, A Song of Lamentation is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which was brought upon me, inflicted by God's fierce anger. For these things I weep, my eyes flow with tears. For a comforter is far from me, one to revive my courage. Remember my affliction and my bitterness, wormwood and gall. The steadfast love of God never ceases. God's mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God is my portion, says my soul. Therefore will I hope in God. It is good that we should wait quietly for the coming of God's salvation. Praise to the Holy and Undivided Trinity. One God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from 1 Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 16 through 27. If I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me. And woe to me if I do not proclaim proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my proclamation I may make the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race the runners all compete, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win it. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air. But I punish my body and enslave it, so that after proclaiming to others, I myself should not be disqualified. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle S, a song of our true nature. Christ revealed our frailty and our falling, our trespasses and our humiliations. Christ also revealed his blessed power, his blessed wisdom and love. He protects us as tenderly and as sweetly when we are in greatest need. He raises us in spirit and turns everything to glory and joy without ending. God is the ground and the substance, the very essence of nature. God is the true Father and Mother of natures. We are all bound to God by nature, and we are all bound to God by grace. And this grace is for all the world, because it is our precious Mother, Christ. For this fair nature was prepared by Christ for the honor and nobility of all, and for the joy and bliss of salvation. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our gracious Jesus Christ according to Mark. Mark chapter 7, or I'm sorry, Mark chapter 6, verses 47 through 56. Praise to you, gracious Christ. When the evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. When he saw that they were straining at the oars against an adverse wind, he came towards them early in the morning, walking on the sea. He intended to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for, all, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astonished, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Genesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him, and rushed about the whole region, and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was, and wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, They laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise to you, gracious Christ. We believe in God the Nurturer and Teacher, from whom is named every family in heaven and on earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, begotten of divine love, who lives in our hearts through faith and fills us with that love. We believe in God, the Holy Spirit. She strengthens us with power from on high. We believe in one God, source of all being, love incarnate, spirit of truth. Amen. Let us use the litany for healing, which can be found in Enriching Our Worship, Volume 2, on page thirty under the title, Pray for the World in the Church, particularly for God's healing grace. Let us name before God those for whom we offer our prayers. All of those suffering from COVID-19, family members and friends of those suffering, the bereaved, those suffering from isolation, those who are suffering because of disruption to work and livelihood. Let us offer our prayers for God's healing, saying, hear and have mercy. Holy God, source of health and and salvation, hear and have mercy. Holy and mighty, wellspring of abundant life, hear and have mercy. Holy Immortal One, protector of the faithful, hear and have mercy. Holy Trinity, the source of all wholeness, hear and have mercy. Blessed Jesus, your holy name is medicine for healing and a promise of eternal life. Hear and have mercy. Jesus, descendant of David, you healed all who came to you in faith. Hear and have mercy. Jesus, child of Mary, you embraced the world with your love. Hear and have mercy. Jesus, divine physician, you sent your disciples to preach the gospel and heal in your name. Hear and have mercy. Jesus, our true mother, you feed us the milk of your compassion. Hear and have mercy. Jesus, Son of God, you take away our sin and make us whole. Hear and have mercy. Jesus, eternal Christ, your promised spirit renews our hearts and minds. Hear and have mercy. Grant your grace to heal those who are sick. We pray to you, O God. Hear and have mercy. Give courage and faith to all who are disabled through injury or illness. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Comfort, relieve and heal all sick children. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Give courage to all who await surgery. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Support and encourage those who live with chronic illness. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Strengthen those who endure continual pain and give them hope. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Grant the refreshment of peaceful sleep to all who suffer. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Befriend all who are anxious, lonely, despondent, or afraid. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Restore those with mental illness to clarity of mind and hopefulness of heart. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Give rest to the weary and hold the dying in your loving arms. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Help us to prepare for death with confident expectation and hope of Easter joy. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Give your wisdom and compassion to health care workers, that they may minister to the sick and dying with knowledge, skill, and kindness. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Uphold those who keep watch with the sick. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Guide those who search for the causes and cures of sickness and disease. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Jesus, Lamb of God, hear and have mercy. Jesus, bearer of our sins, hear and have mercy. Jesus, Redeemer of the world, hear and have mercy. Compassionate God, you so love the world that you sent us, Jesus, to bear our infirmities and afflictions. Through acts of healing, Christ revealed you as the true source of health and salvation. For the sake of your Christ, who suffered and died for us, conquered death, and now reigns with you in glory, hear the cry of your people. Have mercy on us, make us whole, and bring us at last into the fullness of your eternal life. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, by your death you took away the sting of death. Grant to us, your servants, so to follow in faith where you have led the way, that we may at length fall asleep peacefully in you and wake up in your likeness. For your tender mercy's sake. Amen. O most holy God, the source of all good desires, all right judgments, and all just works, give to us, your servants, that peace which the world cannot give, so that our minds may be fixed on the doing of your will, and that we, being delivered from the fear of all enemies, may live in peace and quietness, through the mercies of Christ Jesus our Savior. Amen. Jesus, stay with us, for evening is at hand and the day is past. Be our companion in the way, kindle our hearts and awaken hope that we may know you as you are revealed in scripture and the breaking of bread. Grant this for the sake of your love. Amen. Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Keep watch, dear God, with those who work or watch or weep this night and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, gracious Christ, give rest to the weary, bless the dying, soothe the suffering, pity the afflicted, shield the joyous, and all for your love's sake. Amen. I think now is the time for a few thoughts on the readings. We'll start with the psalm, you know, this time of Lent, which is also a time of social distancing, of isolation, and just generally a time of, of even for those of us who are blessed to be healthy, of discombobulation, right, and it, it can be a time of fear, too. So I am thankful for this way in which we connect. I'm thankful for all of my friends that I've been able to speak with. I'm thankful that we live in an age where it is easy to connect. You know, I had a vestry meeting over Zoom, watched a sermon online, listened to a sermon on a podcast. Like there are so many ways to connect. Um, So let us first and foremost reach out to connect with God and then let us reach out and connect with each other. Let's take a moment of silence here now and and pray for anything special that's on our hearts um, that we haven't already lifted up. I know we've had several moments of prayer already in this session. right now let's talk about our psalm so this is as I was starting to say before I got myself sidetracked a good psalm for for this time Um, of course it was it was chosen for the liturgical season for Lent but I I think Lent and and social distancing definitely lend themselves to each other they are complementary seasons I guess I would say um, and I don't mean that in in any light way, but I would urge us, and it's it's so easy to get off kilter right now. I would urge us to recenter ourselves in the season of Lent and refocus on God. I'm telling myself that especially. so would that we cry out to God at night as the psalmist does, as we do now and and know that God inclines our ear to hear us I I want to say something pretty strongly here. Um, someone said to me the other day that they felt that COVID-19 was the wrath of God on us for being, they didn't say it in these words, but basically arrogant Americans. I do not think so. I, I say that with love, and, and I can, I can see how it would look like that, but that is... That is not what I personally believe. I do not believe that God brings sickness and sickness and wrath to correct us. Um, I believe that God is love, and God brings love, and that we as humankind have brought gotten ourselves to this place where we have covid 19 and we must we must pray and ask for the holy spirit's wisdom and discernment you know i pray that the vaccines that they're developing that they work i i pray in thankfulness for the gifts of um, scientific method and wisdom that the holy spirit has bestowed upon us i do not think that god pushes us in the pit i do think that god lifts us out of the pit, if that makes any sense. And I know that this sounds a little contradictory to the psalmist, but I think that's okay. This is the psalmist crying out to God and and sometimes we cry out to God and in our very cry, we say, God, this is what it looks and feels like to me right now. Here is my context. And God can open our eyes and illuminate something for us that we weren't seeing before. And so this is all fine. Like we don't get, we don't get punished for being wrong. We cry out to God and say, it feels like you are just hating me and punishing me. and, And like, whatever it is, you know, insert here, God doesn't then snap at us. God hears us and gently and lovingly redirects us. And what better time to be gently and lovingly redirected than during the time of Lent, which is the time of returning to God or perhaps turning anew to God. And I would say that when we feel the absence of divine favor and blessing, as my, I guess I should back up a little bit, as my commentator puts it, verse 7, which describes, Your wrath lies heavy upon me. The emphasis is not on God's emotional state, but on its effect upon the psalmist. Absence of divine favor and blessing. I would say that when we do not feel divine favor and blessing, it is because we there is something blocking the way of our feeling it i mean the disciples and apostles were able to to access god's favor and blessing even in the worst of circumstances even tortured and imprisoned and persecuted and so God's favor and blessing are not circumstantial. They don't manifest them in the ways that we might initially think of them. So I, I think I've, set, I've referenced this before, but another way of saying, God, show me how you have blessed me today, is God, show me how you have loved me today. This was an assignment that my spiritual director has given me. And it is a blessing for me. So maybe let's all just take a moment. We shouldn't take long on this one. This is not meant to be one that is like this hour-long searching of the soul, right? Um, This is a, a moment's reflection, okay? So let's take a moment ask god the question how have you shown love to me for me today Thank you, God, for showing love. Thank you for loving me. Now, our Old Testament reading. What strikes me here is how differently Joseph's family is treated than the way that we treat immigrants into our country today. And I want to just point out a couple things. Um, so they are refugees from the famine, right? We have refugees for all different reasons. In their case, they're refugees from the famine. And Joseph presents them. And then Pharaoh says to them, what is your occupation? He's asking them, like, what are your gifts and talents? He's not saying, I read an article the other day um, on... An Episcopalian parish in California that was sponsoring someone to come in and um, I forget what the what the word was but we'll just leave it at that and they were astonished at how difficult and expensive the process was how much it needed lawyers and funds to work through it and how how most people do not have that and and here Pharaoh is speaking directly to these immigrants and he doesn't say, first, give me money and and prove this. And, you know, he says, what can you do? And he takes them at their word and he assigns them according to their talents as they've described them. And he doesn't just give them, like, the worst of the land, the leftovers. He gives them the best of the land. He entrusts land and livestock to their care. Actually, I think the livestock are theirs already. But nevertheless, I think that the point... Oh, no, he does. He says, put them in verse 6. I think it is, put them in charge of my livestock. How different would, would things be if when we had refugees in this country we inquired where their gifts were and then gave them occupation according to their gifts entrusted them so that they might contribute I know many of us feel like we are useless during this time. And what can we contribute? I would say first and foremost, always, we can contribute prayer. But then I think that we each have individual gifts and talents that that we can contribute for others. I saw a Twitter thread earlier today that, that was beseeching those of us that have... steady incomes even during this time to give to those who do not so yes I think that is that is important that we who have resources give to those who don't whether it's you know sending a grocery delivery or making a, just making a phone call and making contact with someone asking them how they are but I would say, instead of being focused on our own survival, and I've been saying this since the epidemic started, it's not about personal health. It's about community health. And I think we as the church also see that it's not just about physical health. It's about social, spiritual, mental health. It's about the holistic person. And so I would beseech you as well, To seek God and take an inventory of how your gifts can be used at this time to help others. We are none of us useless friends. And above all, spend that time in prayer. And I'm tempted to admonish myself for that because I've gotten off my schedule, as you might have noticed. And I've I've not been doing my morning and evening prayer and posting the podcast. And this is a time where we need that more than others. So... I would also beseech you and myself, friends, to have compassion on yourself. To in that self-compassion say something the effect of, and I oh gosh, I just forgot her last name. It's Kristen I'll think of it, sorry. Neff, Kristen Neff, um, who really I think was the first person to kind of delve into self-compassion study, but something along the lines of I am suffering. Everyone suffers. May I choose to be kind to myself in this moment. Our New Testament reading. is Paul's approach to discipleship. And there are some things that he wants to make really clear here. I think my commentary states it well when the commentator says, Paul's point is that evangelists who accept financial support are mere hirelings, whereas he is the true benefactor of the community. And yes, that's Paul's approach, but neither do I think it's wrong to accept funding for ministry. I think that spiritual authors who sell their books and accept payment for them, I think that's okay. I think I think when we steward these gifts so that we can give more, It's okay I don't think the point here is we should be doing everything for free I do think that we should give when others need it I really think that I think that and I think that it's far better to let someone take advantage than it is to keep everyone out so for example let's say you're an author and you're writing books and you really want to make your books accessible. So you have a policy that if there are people who cannot afford to buy them, you give them the books. Well, yes, somebody's probably gonna game the system and get a book for free when really they could afford to pay for it. And we'll leave to the side right now, like the whole, what does it mean to be able to afford something thing? Well, I would rather have X number of people that game your system, so to speak, and get the book for free and have it accessible to those who really can't afford it, then I would make everyone pay for it. And then there are some who cannot access it. I hope that kind of makes sense. I probably didn't say that as clearly as I could. And so this worked for Paul the way that he did it. He didn't charge anything. He wasn't like giving talks in the stadium, so to speak, and, and charging entry fees. He, his message was free to all. That's not the way everyone chooses to do it. I think that when we fund spiritual leaders, we free them to be able to focus their lives, their energy, their effort on providing that spiritual product so to speak so I think that that Paul's way is not the only way it is really important though to see to see this and I think it's important too to realize that the fruit of the effort is as Paul puts it To win them. Another way of putting that might be to reach people with the message. The fruit is not a financial reward. And I think that's part of what Paul is saying. So even when we are Providing a livelihood or provided a livelihood through spiritual work, that financial gain is the means to the end, not the end in and of itself. And then I think, too, it's really interesting. It, it's become a rather common saying You can't be all things to all people. And Paul here is saying, I have become all things to all people. And I really think there are two messages folded up there. I think one is meet people where they are. And then I think the second is no one human can 100% meet 100% of the people where they are. And that's a relief to me. It's a reminder to do my best to meet people where they are, which is huge and I really, really try at. And then it's also, it's a release from having to be perfect at that because there are going to be people that I cannot I cannot reach because it's not a me blockage, it's a them blockage. Um, I have a particular person in my life that I have to interact with on an almost daily basis that just does not receive anything well from me. And I try many different methods and many different means and this person just doesn't receive it. That's okay. It is a distraction to become overly focused on this one person. Yes, continue to do your best but let it go. It's not about you. And so that is the both and. We must both do our best to meet people where they are and realize we cannot reach all of them because it is as much about the receiver as it is the transmitter. And then we come to Paul's piece about punishing his body and enslaving it. And I think this is one of those things that has gotten taken out of context and taken to mean that the body is bad and the flesh is bad and we must self-flagellate in order to free ourselves spiritually. I... I don't think, friends, lovingly, that that's the case. I think this is an extended metaphor that Paul is using. Wherein he is comparing himself to an athlete training for... It says in my commentary, the games, So like the Olympic Games or the version that existed back then. And so he is... Doing this with a purpose, he is, in the metaphor, metaphorically speaking, using his body for a specific purpose. And so I think the message here for us is that we use all that we are, all that we have been given for a specific purpose, and that purpose is to be God's love, to spread God's love, to receive and give God's love. And everything that we do with all that we are should be focused towards that goal. All right, lastly, our gospel reading. So we talked a little bit um, earlier in the Lenten season about a similar um, story where Jesus is in the boat with the disciples and the storm comes up and he calms the storm. So here the disciples are in the boat and they are straining at the oars against an adverse wind. I just love that imagery. I think that it speaks so well of the spiritual battles that we wage. We are straining at the oars against an adverse wind. And if you've ever been, if you're a rower <laughs> or you've ever rowed, and you have been out when it's been windy, like you get that. I know my son Jack gets that. Even I, with my somewhat limited experience of rowing, get that. It is hard when you're straining. When you feel like, You are giving it feet of effort, and you are getting inches across the water. And Jesus comes toward them, walking on the sea. He had intended to pass them by. I think that's so interesting. I wonder why he had intended to pass them by. Was he intending to go on ahead because he goes before them? Maybe. Does he generally go before us? Did he traverse the earth before us? Did he feel everything that we were going to feel before we did? Yes. Was he here before the beginning of the universe? On the first breath of life? Yes. So in that sense, yes. And Jesus does go before but then they recognized him, thought it was a ghost of him somehow because there it, there was just such cognitive dissonance there. Their minds just couldn't put these things together that they cried out and they were afraid. And that kind of breaks my heart a little bit because I hope that even seeing Jesus out of context, we would be reassured by the sight of him and not afraid, but rather Calmed. But, but maybe not. Maybe the initial vision of Christ is frightening because it's not what we thought. It's not where he's supposed to be in our limited understanding of supposed to. Maybe it is shocking. Maybe... Maybe the translation is a little more appropriately translated to shocked than frightened. I don't know, friends, but these are all things that I consider when I read the readings and I really try to delve into my own experience of it. And he tells them not to be afraid and then he gets in with them. So I am picturing us embattled, rowing against the wind. And Jesus climbs in with us. And the wind ceased. The battle is over. It is won. Christ is with us and we are victorious. So according to my commentary, Mark connects the disciples' fearful response at sea to the feeding story, but does not specify, that's the fishes and loaves, but does not specify the nature of their incomprehension. They may misunderstand Jesus' divine power, their share in that power by distributing the loaves or some combination of the two. I would say also we could say here like, they didn't have eyes to see or they just didn't understand and so oh god both guard our hearts and also open our hearts and minds to you guard us against the lies of the enemy and also open us to understanding you more understanding the way that you exist and appear in your creation amen And so I think it's interesting that his disciples in the boat thought he was a ghost. But as soon as he crosses over to Genesaret, the people see him and recognize him. And is that because like he's, he's back in an expected context? Or is that because they're waiting for him, eagerly anticipating? And in this season of Lent, I would hope that we are eagerly anticipating Christ's return. That we are both guarded against that which is not of Christ and open to that which is Christ. And that we come now especially to Christ to be healed. Knowing that any contact with Christ has healing power. Just as the floods of people who just barely touched his clothes were healed. So we who strain toward, turn toward, run toward God in this time. May be healed just by the barest contact with him. Christ is not elusive, but our focus and stamina and strength can be. But grace fills in for us, friends. Grace brings us close enough to touch Christ. And it touches all that's needed for healing. May it so be done within your will, O God. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for indulging my somewhat long musings this evening. I guess I'm making up for lost time. Thank you, my friends. Let's close this service with thanksgiving. Almighty God, creator of all mercies, we, your created, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, Through Jesus Christ, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. May the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace in believing through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.